0: are locked on wildcats your daily podcast on the arizona wildcats part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: happy friday locked on wildcats listeners i'm your host mike luke this show is brought to you by betonline.ag there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust betonline.ag Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Joined now by a voice that many of you might recall from years past, Ben White. Ben, how you doing?
0: Hey, Mike. I am doing great. Uh, great to be a part of the uh, Locked On Wildcats podcast. Happy to be back with you. It's only uh, it's only been, what, a, a year and a half since we last worked together at uh, Wildcats Radio 1290. Uh, as you, many of you know, spent a lot of time producing Mike Luke's old afternoon show. There, uh, did some hosting and some fill-in work as well. So, uh, really cool to be on Locked On, man. I got to tell you, not only what we're doing with the Wildcats and what we expect this thing to take off to, but just all the platforms and all the content that we have across the Locked On Sports Network. It's fantastic. Every single team. Every single league, college or NFL, it doesn't get any better than this.
1: I'm incredibly enthused because we get to take this podcast in the way that we see fit. Uh, this is just going to be a lot of fun. And again, uh, Ben's going to be a, a regular co-host on here at least a couple times a week. So, Ben, I say we dive into uh, the matter at hand. And that is last night's game, UCLA's 74-60 to victory over Arizona. My initial thoughts are and it really, as an Arizona fan, stinks to say this. We're at a point now where no matter what you think about keep Miller, get rid of Miller, that isn't even germane to the discussion at this point. Teams like UCLA, teams like USC, they just are better than Arizona at this point. They just have better players. And that's an uncomfortable position for Arizona Wildcat a proud Arizona Wildcat basketball fan base to be in.
0: It really is, and you know what they say. The numbers don't lie. You know, Sean Miller now 0-4 against Mick Cronin-led UCLA teams. Five in a row losses when it comes to facing the Bruins. I think they've lost eight in a row against, uh, now six straight, excuse me, against Oregon. So it's really disheartening because I think coming into this season, we looked at the roster and we thought to ourselves, okay, you've got some nice pieces coming in. You may not be that leader in the pack like we're accustomed to seeing, but you can probably at least get one or two games out of the UCLA's of the world, the the Oregon's of the world. And for whatever reason, Arizona just hasn't been able to do that this year. You know, Arizona is one of those teams where they can really win or lose against anybody. Going back last week even to the Oregon State and Oregon games where you saw the same thing. And unfortunately, last night you come into this game where UCLA is clearly the better team, I think, but at the same time, you know, they've had their fair share of injuries, especially in the front court. You thought Arizona was going to have the advantage there, but for whatever reason, it seemed like just watching that game last night, Arizona got off to a pretty nice run to start the first half, but they just got further and further and further away from, I think, what was going to win them that game, which is getting the ball inside and going down low and for whatever reason, they weren't able to do that. Arizona's had issues rebounding the basketball all year. And I know if you're Sean Miller, it's got to be especially frustrating because that is your pride in what you coach every single day. And, you know, you've got guards like James Akinjo, and you've got guys in the backcourt who can certainly make shots for you. But it's really not going to matter at the end of the day defensively if you're the liability that you are when Arizona's on the defensive side of the court. And unfortunately – You know, this hasn't been something that has gone their way the last four games. It's 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 tough
1: to watch. And Ben, here's another issue as well. I think Arizona fans in the post FBI era, you understand that we don't necessarily Arizona doesn't necessarily have the talent that we've seen in years past. But some of the things that fans I don't think can really wrap their head around, especially with this team at this point, is okay. You don't have as many good players as UCLA. Here's some of the problems, though. UCLA is not Gonzaga. They're a good team. They're not a great team. You gave up 73% shooting to UCLA in the second half. 19 of 26 from the field. I don't care what, if you're throwing up every single thing that goes in, if you give up 19 of 26 from the field, that is just playing bad defense, period. Second of all, you gave up, Are you committed 16 turnovers against a team that is not exactly pressing you up and down the court. Conversely, UCLA, seven turnovers. That's a nine turnover difference that you're giving up to a team that is already better than you. Under no circumstances can that happen. That just cannot happen, Ben. And you don't play UCLA the the rest of the season, obviously. You're not going to play them in the Pac-12 tournament. But quite frankly, I'm glad that Arizona doesn't have to play them again because watching this game, I get the feel that whenever Arizona would play this UCLA team with this Arizona squad, it was going to be a massive issue. It
0: was, and I think when you looked at the matchups on paper, especially you know in the backcourt with somebody like Amble and you know obviously their top guy, their transfer from Kentucky, who has just been killing it, Johnny uh, Juzang, um, it's frustrating to watch because... Like you said, this isn't a fundamentally sound basketball team. And it's not that Sean Miller needs the four and five-star guys to absolutely kill it and win, because I think when you look at what he did even going back at Xavier, even some of the earlier teams at Arizona, that wasn't the roster that you were accustomed to seeing, whereas you know a few years ago when you had the DeAndre Ayton's of the world and you had guys that were going in the NBA draft pretty highly. And that just hasn't been the Arizona team that we've seen the last couple of years. And I think everybody said, well, this, this year is the chance because, you know, you've got a guy like James Akinjo who comes in and is, is more of a veteran presence in the, in the point guard spot, a guy who can also give you something offensively that a lot of guards just haven't been able to give you at Arizona. And it's unfortunate to watch because we've seen glimpses of it this year. When this team plays fundamentally sound, they are a very good basketball team, or at least they have the ability to be a very good basketball team But like you said, when you're turning the ball over 16 times, when you're getting out rebounded the way you are in the paint, when you're not even boxing out, it's just it's frustrating. It's the little fundamental things. And I think that's the biggest thing that Sean Miller has an issue with with his team right now is week after week after week we're not seeing any progression we're seeing the same mistakes over and over and over again and well i get it we have some young guys on the team this year we also do have that veteran leadership in the backcourt with akinjo and and some of these other guys jordan brown's been around a while as well so collectively it should be a much better product than i think what we're seeing but that just hasn't been the case and that's got to be frustrating if you're an arizona fan I guess on the bright side, I mean, this isn't a team that's obviously doing anything or has the ability to do to do anything this year in the postseason. And part of me does wonder if that resonates with them. And that's maybe some of these the reasons why we're seeing these issues.
1: Yeah. And I get that there's a lot of moving parts here. I get that there's a lot of different pieces that are going around right here. You've got new players all around. Benedict Matherin, freshman who we will uh, we will get to uh, coming up next. Azulas Tabellus. Freshman James Akinjo, first year Kerr Crusa, but newsflash: this is college basketball in the year 2021. This isn't unique to just Arizona. And while you're you don't see any Aaron Gordons on here, any Rondae Hollis Jeffersons, you've seen a template for a team that can be pretty good here, Ben. I mean, we saw it. We saw it against Colorado, where Arizona pretty much just smoked the Buffalo. Pardon the pun, and. Then you come back and you have games where there's just really no rhyme or reason. Many of these turnovers for Arizona were just of the careless variety. There was really no reason for some of these. And, you know, I like uh, I, I like Azulus Tabellus a great deal, but he sometimes he's just kind of careless with the ball. He's a little too cavalier. And these that's kind of indicative of this team right here. And when Miller teams are at their best, nobody ever looks at them and says, man, that squad's careless with the ball. Let's break and let's t- and talk about what's going on with this Arizona team from an individual perspective because there's some fascinating storylines that I think have emerged in these last couple games. You're listening to Locked On Wildcats. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, joined by co-host Ben White, and we're breaking down everything you need to know about Arizona's 74 to 60 loss to UCLA. Ben, I always like looking at the individual aspects of games because I think that those how players are performing can really tell you how this team is moving and how what direction everybody's going in. And The guy that I got to start with right here is freshman wing Benedict Matherin. This is a player who I think that at least I thought two, three, two, three weeks ago, man, this kid's getting so good that this kid's going to be on NBA draft charts here really quickly. And you started to see him emerge onto some of those mock drafts. But man, over the last, over the last four or five games with a few exceptions, he just looks lost out there. This is a guy that has given you 30-plus points at certain points, and reading a reading across this bare-bones stat line of 28 minutes, 0 of 3 from the field, 2 of 2 from the line, 4 turnovers, this is not going to get it done, especially from a guy that looked like he was on the verge of becoming a freshman All-American. Conversely, Azulis Tabellis... Is a guy that I think has surpassed every U of A fan's expectations and was a great get at the power forward spot by Jack Murphy, assistant head coach Jack Murphy. But his stat line, again, 18 points, eight rebounds, totally cool. Love that. This is a kid that's going to be all conference. But again, the four turnovers, you're kind of picking nits at that point, but okay, be that as it may. And then the other one that really kind of catches your eye right here is James Akinjo who 6 of 14 from the field, 21 points. But there's a troubling there's a troubling pattern emerging with him though. And when he gets to the he likes driving into the paint. But when he gets into the paint, I never get the sense that that ball is going in. And again, I like Akinjo more than others, but there's at some point you're becoming a little bit too erratic with your style of play. Those are three guys right there, Ben, that I thought really caught my eye, and I think are indicative of some of the bigger problems that these te- this team is facing right now.
0: Yeah, because I think when you look at those three guys exclusively, if, if you're talking about a win loss column for this Arizona team, I think it's heavily reliant on how those three guys play game in and game out. The first guy you mentioned, Benedict Mathur, and he's an interesting one because you think back to uh, January 14th against Oregon State, 31 points. You know, we were saying this is a guy who is going to be on his way to potentially making all Pac-12, you know, as the years progress here. And this is a guy to really keep an eye on. And he's just kind of hit a brick wall and he looks like a guy right now is just struggling with confidence. And we've seen this with players over the years with Sean Miller, especially younger guys who get introduced to a lineup. I saw him essentially this is probably three or four different times where UCLA got the ball inside and for whatever reason, they couldn't finish at the basket and Mathurin just kind of stood there and didn't even box out he kind of just looked around all confused. And I'm thinking to myself, this wasn't the same guy we watched three or four weeks ago. And I know if you're Sean Miller, you're, you're on the, uh, on the court, there, probably pulling your hair out wondering the same thing as to what's going on. So I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's a fatigue thing. I don't know if it's the fact that, oh my goodness, where, You know two three four games away from the end of the regular season and we're not going to even be playing not only in the ncaa tournament but the pac-12 tournament i think there's some fatigue amongst the team not only from a player standpoint but even a coaching standpoint as well because you watch the way sean miller's acting lately and you watch the way that some of these players are acting you can tell it's a frustrating time for everybody so i don't i don't point to the fact that it's one guy's fault or it's collectively three guys' fault but I agree with you in the sense that with these three players, Arizona is going to live and die by the way that these guys play, and we've seen that game in, game out.
1: What, you, what we've also noticed, and uh, a buddy of ours, uh, John Brogan, twelve ninety, who will be on uh, uh, next week, he made an interesting point too. There is no defensive stopper on this team. And There's not, no. There is not. There, and I'm not talking. And I'm talking about somebody who doesn't come close to showing a semblance of being a defensive stopper. Everybody kind of lets their guy get past him, and there's really no rhyme or reason as to why there is none. You look at James Akinjo; he's got some fairly good instincts he's shown on the basketball court in certain areas. He's quick. Why in the world can't he stay in front of his defend or in front of his offensive player? And there's guys like that that are just all up and down. Now you could say that Benedict Matherin is that guy, or is that uh, should be that guy? He's a freshman, but still, he's a at this point let's be blunt, he's a bad defender. There's just no way around that. And I don't know exactly what you do at this stage because everybody has kind of shown themselves to not be a very good defender. And again, and I I hate to keep harping back to this, that's kind of indicative of this team right here, Ben. This is just not a good defensive team, and it goes all the way across the board. Switching over to the offensive side, There are way too many lulls with this squad. I get, again, that it's COVID. I totally understand that. But there are way too many lulls where it seems like another team will go on a 10-0 run. And not only does Arizona not get a shot, or not only does Arizona struggle to even score, they don't even get shots half the time, it seems. Yep. Again, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you never get the sense on those runs that Arizona is about to hop in and cut down that margin, and that's just a problem. There's a lot of problems that have emerged with this team over, I would say, the last three to four weeks that are very troubling considering that Arizona looked like a pretty tough-minded, hard-nosed team that was going to get better as the season went on just a month earlier, Ben.
0: Yeah, you have to wonder what the mental makeup of this team is, especially over the last four weeks, because like you said, going back even all the way to that Utah loss early in February, thinking back to all of these losses, there was always that point in time. And it seemed like whether it was last night in the second half where UCLA went on that 10-0 run or whether it was against Utah or Colorado where we saw very similar trends, there's always that moment or that stretch in time where Arizona kind of drops the ball the opponent gets up and you really don't see the Wildcats recover from that because I think defensively, like you said, they're nowhere near where they need to be. They can have as many points as you want, but if, if you can't even box out and get a rebound for heck's sake against a UCLA team where you're, the second guy or the first guy, excuse me, coming off the bench, if you listen to the broadcast closely and um, just reading about the UCLA Bruins, the first guy coming off the bench to play center for them was in high school two or three months ago. So, I mean, it's not like UCLA was a deep team up front and it's not like Arizona had much uh, to worry about up front there, but it just speaks to the trend and the the mental composure of this team, because when they get down or when they make mistakes, they just do not recover for whatever reason. And they've come close. I'll give them that the Oregon game was close, but every single Oregon loss, it seemed to come down in, in similar fashion where it's a one or two possession game late in the second half. But Arizona's got to be better in those situations. They've got to figure out how to recover. And defensively, these types of things just should not be happening because when you're shooting that the way the way that you are, when you have the advantage up front, especially against the UCLA team who has absolutely nobody right now in the front court, I'm not saying you should win the game completely, but you should not be giving up 10 straight points. You should not be allowing UCLA on the defensive side for them to go ahead and offensively shoot Seventy-three percent from the field—it's just ridiculous. It's bad basketball. And Mike, I think we have some. Uh, there's certainly a lot of questions to be answered with the uh, USC coming up tomorrow.
1: Well, as frustrating as this game was, you now have a game against USC coming up here, where you're going to play arguably the best team in the conference. And it was not a pretty performance by the U of A against USC last game. We're going to talk about that and. I'll get you ready for that U of A USC game. Warning, not everything is going to be pretty. Thanks for staying locked in on Locked On Wildcats. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. This is not your normal protein bar. This tastes like something that is not kind of that cakey, chewy type thing. This tastes like an actual candy bar. I like candy, and you know what? I also like getting protein in there, and built Bar is really something that I think we can all get behind. As Arizona fans... In the college basketball world, and especially in the Pac-10 slash now Pac-12 conference, you're usually used to being the most talented team. And if you're not the most talented team, you're probably the most cohesive, well-drilled team. And in the occasional years that you're not, it's generally a UCLA, Oregon of late, but Arizona's always one of the common denominators. Outside of a couple programs, there's generally nobody that you look across from and you say they have better players or honestly, they're the better team. Teams like USC generally don't fit that bill. But when Arizona played USC last month, that was one of the first times that I can ever remember seeing a USC team that even though Arizona was essentially locked in a tie game at the half, it felt that USC was better, and honestly, it felt that USC was just a little bit more talented than Arizona, and that really bared itself out in the second half. Arizona was shook. USC won- went on to win 87-73, to but Coach Sean Miller had a lot to say after that game, and he essentially said that Arizona was shook, and that's a problem because you generally don't ever see that in an Arizona team. Since then, Arizona has been essentially a 500 basketball team, while USC is now ranked 17th in the nation. Arizona's got a real chance right here to go into the offseason with some real with some real momentum. You look up and down this roster; it figures that almost all of these guys will be back, and between freshman to sophomore advan- advances with the Zulus, Tabellas, Kerr, Chrisa, uh, James Akinjo. Akinjo, obviously not being a freshman, this could be a pretty good team, but so much of it is going to be based on how this team ends the season. And you've got the LA schools here, which you are obviously ending the season with specifically the USC team, which looks like it might be the best team in the conference. If you're looking to me, if you're looking at this from an Arizona perspective, you've got to get certain individual inputs from certain players. First and foremost, it's got to be James Akinjo at the point guard position. I'm a big fan of James Akinjo on message boards, on Twitter. I've stuck up for him, but there's no doubt about it that he has had some really rough games. And honestly, none of those were more startling than his performance against the USC Trojans last month. 0 of 9 from the field, 6 assists, 3 turnovers. That's not going to cut it for this team. I don't need him to be Jason Terry out there, but I need James Akinjo to be the best version of James Akinjo here. Because if James Akinjo isn't the best version of James Akinjo, then this team going forward just isn't going to be that good. I hate to say that, but it's just not going to be that good. This team feeds off of him. And he has had multiple matchups where he has played incredibly good ball against good players, your McKinley rights of the world. He's had those type of games. But he's also going against a USC team with a guy in Tajidi who is playing some of the best basketball of his career right now, coming off a huge game against ASU. And Akinjo's got to be able to match him. And if he doesn't match him, USC's advantage up front, I think, is too daunting for Arizona to be able to overcome. And yes, while it's about wins and losses, I don't think anybody's disputing that. This is also about getting ready for next year. Arizona, even if they were eligible for the NCAA tournament, I don't know that they're getting in. And if they are, I don't think that this is a team that's really going to be going anyplace. So all of these pieces in play have something to do with next year. And a lot of that is going to be predicated on how you play against really good teams, USC is the last really good team that Arizona is going to play this year. This is the last opportunity for Azulis Tabellas to go against an NBA caliber player in an Evan Mobley. This is the last time for Arizona to be able to go against a team that will be going to the tournament and to be able to learn from some of your past mistakes. Look at last game against SC. You gave up 22 points to Isaiah White. Not exactly a household name. And he did it on 10 shots. So this is a game for the wings that I need you to be able to get out there on the three-point shooter. I need the big men up front for Arizona to be able to be tough. And I need James Akinjo, again, to be that guy that is going to cause problems for the USC perimeter players. Granted, you have back now another guard, and a guard back in Ethan Anderson now, who's probably going to be getting a majority of the minutes on the ball, which allows other players to play off the ball while well, they still might be handling the ball in the meantime. And and I hate to say this here because I don't think that USC is a very well-coached team. I have never, I don't think that's really one of Andy Enfield's fortes, but I think this roster across the board just has matchups that Arizona can't deal with here. You've got big men up front, you've got wings, you've got the guards. I look for this to be a close game kind of along the lines of the game against USC earlier in the year, but come second half, I think USC's just got too many horses. I'd love to be sitting here talking with you Monday about a team that Arizona played really good ball against and either lost or lost closely, but I don't really see that being the case right here. Again, I'd love to be wrong, but I'm going with an Arizona, Arizona loss by about nine to 10 points. This feels very much like a USC 76-65-66 Arizona loss. But as always, I'd be more than okay with being wrong on that.